So I take responsibility now for the ways that I treated my body for so long. And I thought, no wonder it was showing up for me that way, but it, but it still has shown up for me, you know? And so now it's my time to do something in return for my body. And I had this like little aha moment of like divine inspiration that came to me. And all I thought was, I don't have energy to do anything. And so I didn't. And decades of that, of not, of not doing anything. And so I thought, maybe I don't need energy to be productive. Maybe I need to be productive to feel energized. I am Lisa Roars, former executive coach turned podcaster and digital course creator. Just a few years ago, my typically unwavering optimism was put to the test when my autoimmune system went sideways and handcuffed my dreams to positively impact the world. Fast forward though, through years of failed experiments, dozens of doctors and countless hours of research, and I am now a healthy, thriving CEO of a business that is positively impacting the world by empowering people to exchange fear for fortitude and dis-ease for durability. I created the Sunshine Cafe podcast to give you strategies to be your best self-advocate so you can focus on the things which light you up. If you're looking for hope and encouragement to live a life you love, then you're in the right place. Hey, welcome back to the Sunshine Cafe. I'm very excited to have today as a guest a friend of mine who lives just next door to me in another state. But Becky Lee is a wife, a mother of four, an amazing musician and vocalist, a youth and teen wellness coach, mindset transformation coach, and host of Women's Weekly Wellness Wednesdays. And she is my spunky, grit-filled Italian friend who thankfully got to the point she needed to to stop letting her dis-ease define her. After struggling for decades with debilitating symptoms that accompanied that growing list of diagnoses, including multiple sclerosis and fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, dysautonomia, and maybe a few other things I can't pronounce, Becky set out on a journey of intention and transformation, launching from a low point where nearly everything had been taken from her and choosing to make a focused, albeit desperate, attempt to take her life back not only to reclaim her future, but to use the power within her to create a healthy, thriving future where she can truly enjoy and engage with her family and those around her. As a self-proclaimed proponent and pursuant of positivity, she is passionate about sharing her story so that others can feel empowered and inspired to harness their own ability to reclaim their lives, turn things around, and be the instigator for their own healing. I know you will enjoy hearing from my friend, Becky Lee. Let's dive in. All right, welcome back to the Sunshine Cafe, everyone. I am excited for you all to get a chance to meet my friend Becky. She and I are both in the frozen tundra, if you will. But she is in a neighboring state in this real big, wide world of internet. I feels like she's right next door. Anyway, Becky has a beautiful story to share. And Becky, I just want to welcome you to the program and thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Good. Wonderful. So Becky, could you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who Becky is. Yes. Yeah, so I, yes, I am married. I have four children and... Right now, we are in a kind of new experience since the pandemic started of homeschooling. And I have two children who are doing partial online schooling and then two that are doing full 
full homeschooling, which is very new for me this year. So that's been a new endeavor. I also this last year became a a youth coach, youth wellness coach. And so I do part-time work online in a chat forum with teens and young adults, just assisting them in moments of crisis or assisting them in helping to find really healthy ways to manage their emotions. Wow. That's an important thing that we don't always teach our kids how to do. Very important. I find more and more that when I'm working with other kids, I realize, oh, these are really effective techniques I can use with mine. And that um, things like, you know, emotional dysregulation and the overwhelming stress and anxieties that come with with everything for children nowadays. I think I think growing up as a teen, I um, I am certain now that I had a great amount of stress and anxiety that I wasn't able to name at the time because it wasn't necessarily something that was being named at the time. Um, and now that we understand what that is in the in the realm of, you know, mental health and mental wellness, I think it's so important for us, especially especially as mothers. I mean, in, of course, in roles of teaching and things like that, but especially as a mother to be able to look at the ways that we can positively impact and shape our children in this day and age. There are so many factors um, out there, so many influences. And so it's really important for us to kind of um, keep that stable ground at home. And so that's also a big focus for me outside of just the homeschooling aspect is um, this last year bringing a lot of like meditation and mindfulness into the home um, to try to help us stay grounded, help us to um, just be connected in, in, in sharing our experiences, our life experiences and our emotions and helping one another through that. So um, this last year, I also returned to school after 18 years of not being in school um, to... You um, chose this. You chose to go back to school. What's <laughs> your direct um, result of all the things that I'm going to be excited to share about my journey and transformation getting to this point. But it was a decision that came very easily, um, but was directed to go into metaphysical sciences studies. Um, and really that has opened up a whole world for me as far as it relates to, um, you know, our abilities to heal and finding healing modalities and helpful techniques that help in holistic ways, yeah. um, of the ways of modern medicine. So, Got it. um, and that is, that is kind of me in a nutshell. Okay. Wow. Well, th- I know that that's only dipping under the surface about um, a quarter inch. So I know there's so much more. And so the thing that was really interesting about when you and I had met is we have so many similarities about, I know you have music as part of your background, and I know you have multiple sclerosis as part of your background. And there was a very interesting progression that kind of brought you to a pivoting point in your journey with multiple sclerosis and autoimmune disease. So tell us a little bit about the ramping up to that point. What got you to being aware that you even had multiple sclerosis and then the pivot point and how you decided to take control of your life again? Okay. Well, I will say, first of all, that this was it seemed as if it happened in an instant because I will explain to you what happened as far as my symptoms kind of hitting that peak that there was no turning back. But in retrospect, and everything that I say today is mostly in retrospect because these were not things I was ever aware of in the moment. Sure. Um, it started when I was very young, um, symptoms. You know, I started, when I was eight years old, I was going to the doctor for what I thought was maybe heart issues. I was having a lot of discomfort in my chest and chest pains, and they could never find anything wrong. And then I went into middle school, young adulthood, and I was constantly seeing doctors. I constantly felt unwell. I was having a lot of pain issues. I would have a lot of sensitivity to heat and being out in the sun. 
again, a lot of tests, things that never led to anything. Um, I went to college. I was double majoring in religious studies and philosophy at the time. And I was in like my third year and I started having what they eventually diagnosed as pseudo seizures. They weren't really seizures. They were seizure-like activity. But at the root of it, it was mostly an effect of having a lot of stress in my system. Well, at that time, I was convinced. Sometimes we convince ourselves we want there to be something wrong almost so yeah. that we can get an answer and we can get some relief. And at that age that I was at, I wasn't, I wasn't aware of like the mind-body connection. I wasn't even really familiar with what stress could do to one's physical body. Right. But and when stress. you're experiencing things like that, you want somebody to say, you're not crazy. This is a real thing. There is something going on. And here's the step one, two, and three you can do to fix it. That's what we are looking for. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of times, I mean, that's absolutely what we're looking for. And a lot of times, um, I think that the more that I've shared this with people or had conversations with people around this, that when it comes to modern medicine, when it comes to our relationship with our doctors, that we're turning up, we're asking for this assistance, we're hoping for the cure for the thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we're not getting it because we're getting, we're getting a pill that's addressing maybe the current symptom that we're having, but not the root of the issue. And so at the time, I had no way of knowing there were a lot of roots that I needed to address. But at that point, I, I left school. I did not finish my last year because my health was really getting pretty bad at that point. And so for the, the next string of years, it was just a lot of feeling unwell, a lot of doctor's visits, hospital visits here and there. And then in 2012, I was at Discovery World with my children. It's kind of like a museum type, hands-on science mm. facility. And we went to the aquarium area and I was looking in a tank, in a fish tank. You know how when you look at the tank, kind of the, sometimes the glass seems like it's kind of moving if you get really close to it. It has that like kind of bubbling effect. Sure. And um, I'm looking in there and I step away, I step back, I turn my head and my vision flipped upside down. It wasn't spinning. I know a lot of people say that they have like a spinning sensation. It wasn't spinning. It was just a flip upside down and it felt as if gravity, like I was opposite. Like I couldn't stand up. It was pulling me down. It was a very awkward sensation. I'm there with my children alone, not with my husband. Thankfully, I had the stroller to hold on to. And I ended up going into the hospital. And they diagnosed me with vertigo. That was what they had said at the time. And so basically they sent me out to therapy. I did that for, I'm trying to remember, it was somewhere between like, I think one to two months. And my mom and my granny were wonderful. They were taking me to and from every other day. I was doing a lot of therapy sessions. And at one point I was doing some maneuver and they were looking in my eyes with these really unique goggles where they could see behind your eyes. And they were like, oh, there's some spots there. And so they said, we're going to send you in for some more testing. At the time, I didn't know what that meant. Of course, Google was the thing. So I was Googling away and getting nervous. And I thought, okay, don't don't tell me this is some actual severe thing. Like I was just thinking I was going to go to the doctor and they'd finally find something that they would just say like, oh, it's just this and give me a little pill and I'd be on my way. And they did finally call and said that, that it was MS. And to me, in that moment, what I realized now is that chronic illnesses at any point that you, you receive that diagnosis, there's, there's um, this parallel with the chronic illness and the chronic thoughts that start. I w- I've always been a positive person, but in that moment, the chronic thoughts that began were not positive thoughts. They were very, um, they were overwhelming. They were anxiety filled. They were so uncertain. And having children, all I could think was, 
all I kept thinking was, what does this mean two years from now? What does it mean five years from now? What will I not be able to do with them? How will I not be enough for them as their mother? And I think that it started out in what I can say now as a kind of a natural, um, gradual shift of that, that feeling in that mindset. But it progressed over time. And it got to the point where the anxiety was so debilitating for me that I couldn't, I, I couldn't even watch TV shows. I used to love like watching Grey's Anatomy because I was always fascinated with, with science, with health and things like that. I got to the point where I couldn't even watch an episode because every single person that came through those doors, if they said something about a symptom they had, uh, immediately I was reminded of a symptom I had. Triggered, <laughs> yeah, triggered that emotional anxiety again. It did. And it wasn't even, at that point, it wasn't even just MS because after MS, I was starting to go, you know, I was having all these other symptoms. I was still going and getting tested. And then it was fibromyalgia and dysautonomia and chronic fatigue syndrome. And then I was having issues with my airways, which I thought used to be just asthma. And they were like, no, it's more like reactive airway disease. And there was just a, a ton of things that they were saying, now it's this, now it's this, now it's this. And so at, by that point, I just felt like in my mind, MS felt like the biggest, scariest one, felt like the one that was going to progress, the one that wasn't going to have, you know, all you ever heard was MS doesn't have a cure yet. And so to me, that was the one that my focus was on. So every time I, I earned a new diagnosis, I thought, well, this is my MS causing my body to do something else now that's going to cause this. And what else is it going to cause along the way? And so I got to, oh, there's, there's so much in there. You know, it was, just, it was just a string then of many years, about 10 years of going on the DMTs, the disease modifying therapies. And I started on Delenia. They took me off pretty quickly um, because PML was a kind of hot word at the time. People were getting like this severe brain disease because of it. And they're like, yours is relapsing, remitting. It's not worth it. You're just starting out. We're going to take MS you off. was relapsing, remitting. It wasn't a progressive. Okay. Correct. Um, and so they're like, we're going to take you off. It's not worth what could possibly come. The side effect from the prescription was worse than what potential benefit it would give you. Correct. Got Absolutely. it. Yep. <clears throat> and so they took me off. I don't think I was on there, but a few months. And then they moved me to Capaxone and I was um, doing three shots, self-administered shots a week. And that seemed to be going okay. And when I say okay, I was still having constant relapses. You know, one of the things that was interesting to me throughout the 10 years was that I was in probably, you know, three or four relapses a year and they lasted a couple months at a time. So honestly, there wasn't much break in between. You know, sure. it was like, have one, it would flare up. It would, it would take forever for me to come back to neutral ground. And by that, of course, I don't mean that my symptoms were gone. It was just coming back to what I always called my new normal, you know, it was okay. just it was finding a new normal. And there was such a rhythm to them that when I had my relapse, I would gain a new symptom. Mm -hmm. And then when I came off that relapse, it was there to stay, you know, and then the next relapse would bring the same thing. And so I just had these mounting changes. Okay. And how did, how did you know that these, they were flares? What kinds of things would tell you, oh, here we go. Here's another one coming on. I mean, I knew it was a flare when something new happened. So, so just a new person. Absolutely. So, you know, it started off, I, I'm trying to remember my very first, you know, symptoms besides the, the vision thing, obviously that happened. But the, so then every time I got a relapse, that thing would resurface. 
And then the new thing. So the new thing might be I woke up one morning and I could not really feel my legs <laughs> or I would wake up and then I have these severe muscle spasms, in my back or in my chest. And that would be the indication that, okay, something's starting. And then it would exacerbate and intensify all the previous symptoms so that for those weeks ahead, it was like everything, everything was coming back and then some, whatever the new thing was. And so I say that the medication was working. I don't know if it was, you know, like at the time I felt like, you know, it's, it's not making things worse. I'm not moving into something more progressive yet. So in my mind, I was in a pretty good place. On those shots, I ended up getting sepsis and cellulitis because I was putting so many shots into my stomach in the same area. And I don't know if it just got aggravated and it was, it was not a good outcome. I spent a couple of days in the hospital. Of course, then they took me off of there. Um, and then the next move was to Abagio, which was the thing I was on for the last stretch of three years. And the biggest thing with that was the hair loss, which I am still struggling with bringing it back. It's a little thin now, but I got to a point where I was just wearing a wig and I was wearing head wraps because it was so wispy. There was so many um, At the time, I thought, you know, it's worth it if this is working. If it's preventing further decline, then then I'm, I'm just going to roll with the punches. Sure. Uh, it got to a point... And you asked about my my pivot point, really, got to a point in 2021. So that year I had gone to the hospital eight times thinking I was having a heart attack. And I, I laugh about it now just because the, the sensations I was having, nobody could have told me that that's not what was happening. I was in severe pain. I felt like my heart was racing. I have a little EKG monitor at home that I would test it on and it would show my heart rate was through the roof. I was I was sweating. I mean, like all of the things that would make you think this is definitely what this is. Right. And I would go to the hospital and sometimes the EKG would be normal and sometimes it would be abnormal. And it would switch almost every time I went that year. It would say that, oh, there was, there's like a chamber where the blood is flowing backwards, but like not a big concern. And then I would leave and I'd say, okay, but that's concerning to me. So I would try to keep it on my radar that something's going on with my body. And this is just like the point where I want to just mention to everybody, don't be afraid to pay attention to what your body is doing or saying to you because our body is constantly giving us messages. At the time, I thought the message was, this is it. This is like the end. I can't tell you how many times I walked on that door and thought I wasn't coming home because it was, it was so severe. Um, it it wasn't until I started getting to a point then where I realized, let me take a look at like my medications and everything. Like, why is this happening? Well, the thing was with all of the medications I was on, I was on 18 pills a day. And at this point I was on- okay, the, pause for a second. 18 uh, pills a day. 18. Wow. Okay. And it had been that way for a couple of years. And so my body was just like, I I don't even know that I was in my own body anymore. You know, it's like you're living off of these other, these manufactured drugs. And it's, I realized that I, I hadn't really changed much for myself. And so something had to be happening here that was causing all of these reactions within me to start just kind of taking place. Mind you, I take full responsibility for the fact that there was a lot of anxiety there that I was not dealing with in appropriate ways because I wasn't really naming it at that point. But I started questioning. I started questioning the doctors when I went to the hospital. I would say to them, is it possible because of this? I was on the full dose, the full, you know, available dose for methylphenidate, otherwise known as Ritalin, for my fatigue for MS. And so I was at the max dose of that. And I thought to myself, maybe this is something. Because when you look at the side effects long term, 
it can be big and scary. And so I asked them, is this something that could be causing this? And they didn't seem very concerned. You know, no, it's okay. Okay, go home. I had been on a drug called amantadine for about three years. And then I went off of it because I felt like it wasn't really doing anything. And I didn't want to keep being on drugs just to be on drugs. And so I said, you know, can I take this off? And the point of me taking it in the first place was told to me that it was kind of like an antiviral med and it would help me with my lower immune system from the abagio. It would help prevent me from being sick all the time. Because right, Carabagio suppresses your immune system. So it was a drug to counter the drug right. to kind of bring back your immune system. Okay. So I, I went off of that. And then during the pandemic, I thought to myself, okay, well, I never really had side effects from it. It was just like an extra drug. And maybe with everything going around with COVID, I should be a little safer and maybe reintroduce it. So I did that. And within about a week of doing that, I was having severe hallucinations. I was having the most vivid nightmares I'd ever had in my life. I was having confusion. It, it, was, it was something that felt really like another world to me. Can't, it's really hard to put in words. And I went to the doctor and I was telling her something's really wrong. I don't know what's wrong. And at the time, I didn't think it was this pill yet. But she didn't have any answers for me. I went home and that night I thought, I literally thought something's going to happen here if I don't figure out what's going on. This is a really dangerous place for my mind to be right now. And I got on the internet that night and I was just searching, searching, and I found, oh, amantadine is actually given to patients with Parkinson's, which I don't have. And I thought, I understand the value of what this counteracting should have done or could have done, but the side effects were right in line with what I was experiencing. And so I was like, oh, a dangerous side effect. And so I called the doctor right away that night and I said, I, I don't feel safe being on this. <laughs> it's okay if I just taper off of this. And when we did that. And so I found myself just kind of eliminating things that were causing all of these other functions in my body to kind of feel off and to just, they started kind of going wayward. And I didn't, I needed to feel safe enough. I already felt very uncertain about all the things I couldn't control. I needed to be able to control this. And so after I took all those trips to the hospital that year, I was diagnosed with LPR and basically it's, in so many words, it is a type of acid reflux, but it's where the, there's weakening in the um, connection between the esophagus and the stomach that allows the acid from the stomach to come upward. And basically that ends up eroding at, inflaming the esophagus. It's the thing that can lead to a lot of people having like esophageal cancer. And again, in my mind, I thought, oh, it's got to be the MS. It's weakened the muscle that's connecting there. And they could tell me whether or not that was a connection, but I thought, well, but to you, MS was the problem child that was creating all the other things. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. And so I went, I went to the doctor. I got some tests. And the response, of course, was, well, you can take this PPI and that will help with the reflux. And I thought, I'm not taking another pill. I am like, I, I am not. I'm going to go home today and I'm going to start researching and I'm going to find some way that I can address this without taking another pill in my body. At this point, I had had so many reactions to so many medications <laughs> or they just made me feel you know, weak or they made me feel lethargic. Like anything that I took, I have a very sensitive system. And I started to realize that that was just something I had to be mindful of. It wasn't something I had to feel bad about or that I had to struggle with. Just be mindful of it so that I know how to proceed with my health. And so this so is a key point right here that I think I, I really want to just pause. Don't forget where you're going with that because I think our listeners need to understand that being your own self-advocate is so important because while pharmaceuticals in general are created and really helpful for a lot of people, everybody reacts differently to them. 
And so what might really work well for person A could be completely, and I, I say this literally, could be deadly to another person. So I'm really encouraged by your ability to focus and to say, I have to figure this out for myself, to listen to my body and understand how my body is reacting to these things. Because again, while those pharmaceuticals may really help one case, they might not help another case. And secondarily, I don't think our scientists are taking 18 pills and testing them with each other. I mean, they just realistically, they just could not put all the permeations. That would be an impossible task. So to listen to your body and really understand how are these things affecting this body is really critical. I think that's great that you did that. I love that you said that because one of the things I think that falsely gave me the comfort was they have apps or they have websites where you can put in the names of all of your medications and they'll tell you if there's a reaction between them to be concerned about. And so every time I got a medication, I would ask the doctor, then I go home and I would check myself and there was never any indication of those things. But I love that you're saying that because in reality, yeah, that's not enough. Not enough. And, and again, even you saying that it, it is not the same for everybody is we're not even talking about looking at a list of side effects and saying this particular side effect I don't have, so it's safe. Again, you're talking about our bodies are constantly changing and everything within our organs, our cellular structure is changing. And so there can be interactions at any point. And so just being mindful when you feel, when you're feeling uncertain, when you're feeling something that just doesn't quite feel right. Like you said, it is it is so important for us and to be our self-advocate. Wow. I, I feel like I've spent a lifetime feeling like I can be a great advocate for other people. And I don't know that I was always the best for myself. And so it's really important for us, too, if we feel like we can't be, to enlist the help of somebody. Um, I mean, I have a great, I'm so grateful for my support system that I've had throughout my entire journey with my health. They have truly advocated for me. They've done the researching, sending me articles when they find them, being at my appointments with me, all those kind of things. And not everybody has that. And so wherever you can find a space where somebody just even encourages you, it's really, really, really important. And um, yeah, thank you for, thank you for shedding some light on that. Yeah. I didn't mean to derail your thought process there, but okay. So you had kind of gone through, I started to say, I'm not going to take another pill. I'm going to pause and start figuring out what I can eliminate and get back to understanding what's happening with my body. What happened then? So I found a diet by Dr. John Aviv. He is a GI doctor um, and it's the acid watcher diet. And I was just, I was just going through Facebook groups. I was going through internet searches and found that there was a, a huge rate of success for this diet and basically um, eating alkaline foods and reducing or eliminating acidic foods. And then you start to get into, of course, modern foods and how everything is processed and packaged and additives. And so basically there's, you know, there's a few very general things that you just never eat, like processed sugar or those kind of things. So I started that in October of 2021 and October of 2023 was my two-year anniversary of this healing diet. And so what I think is really incredible to me when I look back is what brought me to that point was honestly desperation. I was in so much pain. What they were telling me at that time was that this was a reaction of this, the severe inflammation in my esophagus was causing this pain in my chest and my back. And I thought, I'm having so much pain that I feel like I can't breathe and I feel like I'm having a heart attack. 
this is pretty severe and it needs to be addressed. And so this healing diet itself is a 28-day healing diet. And basically the idea is after 28 days, you have kind of rebalanced the acidity of your body in the appropriate way that you can start to implement the new foods from the maintenance list. I never went to maintenance list. I stayed on healing diet for the last two years because it was so effective. It was life-changing for me. It was, wow. I mean, the, I never had that pain again. How long did it take you? Was it the full 28 days until you started feeling that relief? It actually was like three months. So for me, after the 28 days, I was like, this isn't enough. And depending on how severe the inflammation is, it might take longer. Mine was so bad at that point that I got to a point where not only was I losing my voice and not able to sing anymore, which has been a huge part of my entire life. That's been my passion. That was hard enough because I, I used to say to myself, MS can take everything from me, but do not take my voice. I want to always be able to sing and I don't know what I'll do if it takes it. And in that moment, that felt like my lowest when I thought I could not sing anymore. It just felt it was devastating to me and I didn't know if I was going to again. And so not only did that happen, but I started getting to a point where I couldn't swallow naturally anymore. Wow. So um, the inflammation was just so bad. And so this was all in that decision making there where it was like my pain is so bad. I've lost the one thing that I love most here and I don't know what else I can do except aggressively decide I'm doing this thing. Yeah, you were um, really at the point where like you, you had nothing else to lose. Everything had been stripped away from you little by little to the point where you were really at that low point. Yeah. I love that you say that because I didn't really consider that in the moment, but I had, I had lost, I had lost everything. And so, yeah, I went, I went to therapy. I went to speech and vocal therapy, swallow therapy. I did that for, I think about a month and a half. And that was, that was huge. Not only, I think what was helpful there was not only was it like the actual strategic techniques of what I could do and how I needed to relearn to swallow in a comfortable way. But the person that I met with, the therapist, was very much about the mindset and how powerful it is. And she said, I can tell you're a positive person. You've probably been a positive person forever and it's gotten you this far. But now just believe that this is going to work, you know, that you'll be able to swallow again, that you'll be able to sing again. And something about her energy, I had never encountered a physician that was talking to me in that way. And she was sharing mm. quotes and she was telling me about books she read that about the power of thinking and the mind. And it just, it planted a seed just in that moment. Mm -hmm. Remember, I came home that day and I said to my husband and my children, I said, it's kind of hard for me to stay in the positive place, but I'm enlisting your help. Every time you see me, talk to me, walk by me, just say to yourself or out loud to me, that I'm healed and I'm healing. Just, just say it to me. And so before I know it, I'm wearing blues or something and somebody, my husband or my children are behind me with their hand on me and saying, you know, my kids are like, mommy's healed, mommy's healed, you're healing. And at first it just seemed like, oh, a really sweet thing, a really sweet reminder. But I found in time that it didn't matter if I believed that in the moment because my mind started to honestly believe it. Everything in me was hearing that was they were convinced they their mindset there it's not going on in their body so as a, a cheerleader for me on the outside they're like yes it's happening you're healing don't worry about it it's already in motion and that was huge for me i'm forever grateful to them for that time period and i get emotional thinking about it because i honestly know that them doing that for me at my request filled me with so much hope 
that it helped me to keep going in that time. In that, I love that you had your family say those affirmations to you. I want to take a small sidebar to say a lot of people don't realize the power of our brains and our mental state. And there are studies now that are showing the neuroplasticity of our brains. And that's just a big fancy word to say, if you start thinking, I can do X or I can, I can run a mile in X, you know, under a certain number. If you start thinking it, even though like I can't hardly run around the block, eventually you keep on that. Your brain is going to create that pathway that will let you do that thing. And the sciences are starting to show with very good studies that that is a real thing. So what we think, the whole adage, that old adage of what we are, what we think, it is so true. So true. And I love seeing the science start to back that up. And hearing your story is just one more example of that being true with your friends and your family pouring that into you. That is really encouraging. Thank you. I love that you said that too, because I realized that as positive as I was, I also was very much in doubt or disbelief that I could have turned it around for so long. I know that you had um, Dr. Terry Walls on your last episode, and I think that it's so interesting when I think back about her journey. I remember at the start of being diagnosed with MS that it was such a buzzword. Her name was such a buzzword, and it was like, oh, but she's the one person that's made it. She is the one person that has a story to tell where she came out on the other side. And I thought to myself at the time, as positive as I was as a person, I thought, that's not that's not going to be me. And that's only one person. You're telling me out of all the people with MS, which of course the numbers keep growing, you know, the rate at which people are being diagnosed is is just it's just astronomical. And so I thought, it's just one story, it's just one person. That's not enough for me to feel like that's gonna happen for me. And I remember it felt like an anomaly instead of a, a reality for it could be a reality for you. And it wasn't it also wasn't someone close, you know, proximity to say, no, literally, you can do this or let me share this with you. I do remember somebody saying something to me like, Oh, you have MS? Maybe you should try that diet. It'll probably help, you know. And I thought to myself at the time, I thought, well, you just don't understand what I'm going through. And it was so easy to feel like that when you feel like a victim to something happening to you that you can't control, it just starts to feel like you just don't understand what I'm going through. And that was a big problem for me, in all honesty, with how things progressed, because I was constantly feeling like a victim that had no control over anything until I realized and decided, you know, I do have control over some things and I will control the things I can control and see what happens. And what happened with that was the most transformational years of my life. And so, um, you know, in, in this experience with the healing diet, I came to the end of 2022. And this was kind of another pivotal point for me because I realized that, yes, I had cleared out so much inf inflammation in my body. I could tell there was a difference in the symptoms that I was having, or I should say not having. And it was so encouraging for me, but I still, still struggled so badly with the overwhelming fatigue. Most of 2022, I know that people around me didn't know, but my kids can absolutely attest to the fact that most of that year, I relied on a lot of help from them. For, I mean, it was in my husband too, just like for making a meal or it was asking a lot, a lot of times to get out of bed. You know, I would get out of bed, I'd get ready, I'd go do like a family function or something and 
I wanted to be present. I didn't want to miss the moment. But at home, I was really, really struggling. And my anxiety was through the roof. You know, it was really hard for me to function. So after the end of 2022, I thought I had already lost 100 pounds as well. And I thought I've, I've carried out a lot of things that I've carried for a long time. I had been overweight almost my whole life. And, and I realized that my, my motivation for that was never in the right place. My motivation was like, I want to be thinner. I want to look, I want to look good. I want to be great in pictures. And instead of recognizing that outside extra weight as an indicator of what was happening on the inside, I think we so look at it as just a vanity thing, but really heavy weight that we carry is just a hello. It's like a flag. Your body's saying, I've got problems inside. Please fix it. And if we don't pay attention to what our body's saying with that extra padding, it, it can turn into something much more devastating. Yeah, and the food habits that came with it. I was I literally lived my whole life. I mean, my mom made very home cooked meals growing up. But once I left home, most of it was very high processed, very high fats, very high sugars. I did a lot of binge eating, to be honest. It wasn't binging and purging. It was just binging. I just loved food and I ate a lot right. of food. Right. Because I am right there with you, my friend. I just like the flavor of it. I just like to eat. I've had people tell me, you know, well, what kind of child issues do you have? I said, my child issues is I like what cookies taste like. <laughs> That's my child issue. And we always had it on hand growing up. It was like, you know, we had a balance. We had plum cooked meals, but then we had some processed foods. Nowadays, it's everywhere. That's all we have, processed foods. And so I take responsibility now for the ways that I treated my body for so long. And I thought, no wonder it was showing up for me that way. But it, but it still has shown up for me, you know. And so now it's my time to do something in return for my body. And I, when I got to the end of 2022, it was literally like New Year's, New Year's Eve time. And I thought, I need to do something going into 2023. I need to make a change. I need to get out of this. I feel so fatigued. I can barely get out of bed like this whole entire year. What am I going to do? And I had this like little aha moment of like divine inspiration that came to me. And I thought, I've been waiting for decades to feel energetic enough to do something productive. Like I wake up in the morning and I'm not even waking with like excitement for the day. It's like, how do I make it through the day feeling like this? Why am I waking up feeling like this? What am I not going to be able to do today? Those were my thoughts. And they were, that was all that I thought anymore. So you were all focused on those negative thoughts. Absolutely. And then it was, and then all I thought was, I don't have energy to do anything. And so I didn't. And that had decades of that, of not, of not doing anything. And so I thought, maybe I don't need energy to be productive. Maybe I need to be productive to feel energized. And this shift in my mind was, was huge for me in what was the most transformational year of all the years was last year. That was my, I will never... 2023 will live in my head forever as the year for me because I I had that thought. And then the accompanying thought with that was, and I'm not going to talk about my illnesses anymore. Because what I realized is that's all that I had done in here, but on the outside, even like my dear friends and family who knew me, constantly our conversations would be them asking me like, so how are you feeling? Have you had any relapses lately? Are you feeling okay? Or if I'd go to the family function, it's like we're out in the heat and I'm wearing like my cold packs and stuff. And they're like, oh, do you need to go in? Like, do you need... It was the topic of discussion all the time. And I didn't want to keep drawing attention to it anymore because I thought the attention to the thing or me even telling somebody like, oh, yeah, I'm at the, the hospital. Like, oh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm OK. But like I'm at the hospital, I'm being an infusion. 
the talking about it just kept bringing up the fact that I'm sick. Yeah, I'm sick. Highlighting, I'm sick. putting that at center stage. Your sickness had the spotlight all the time with everybody in your life. I, I often call it like you're feeding the dragon. The dragon that you were feeding is the illness and the the attention to the illness and the attention to the disease and the way that it quote unquote defined you instead of and and I just love that you had just taken that aha moment to say no maybe I don't need to have the energy to feel productive but I need to be productive to feel the energy that's a really great way to phrase that turning that around that the action actually precedes the feeling. You have to have the action first before you feel the outcome. And that is what you were experiencing there. Absolutely. I love that. Sometimes it takes one mindset switch and then getting the confirmation that the thing is working for us to get that motivation to be like, oh, okay. And then keep going. You know, it's, it's like when people start diets and they're like, but I want to see those first couple of pounds fall off. Once you do that, then you're like, oh, okay. It's not so bad eating this other option of food that I wouldn't mm -hmm. normally because I'm seeing these results. And this is what this was for me was the mindset, the mindset switch when I saw how effective that was at pairing those two things together. So basically it started, you know, the first couple of weeks of the year, I was just doing one thing for myself every day, whether that was just getting out of the bed, whether that was just like washing a couple dishes, whether that was just putting a couple clothes in the washer and then having the kids move it over to the dryer. Whatever the thing was, I was just doing small things. And sometimes it was just walking to the end of the block. I just started doing the things. And before I knew it, sure enough, <laughs> that energy was being returned, was being rebalanced, was moving in my body, was flowing. And so the, the momentum just kind of took on a life of its own. You know, I didn't even have to really think about it anymore. It was just, you know, I wasn't running marathons, but I was getting up, I was moving, I was being productive. And, and like I said, after 18 years of not being in school, I hadn't like read a book during that time. I hadn't attended a seminar during that time. It was just family mode and, and survival mode. I sure. didn't feel like I had time, opportunity, money, energy for anything else. And last year for me to step into, you know, I'd been out of work for a couple of years as well. And, you know, finally it was like, they said, well, you could try to do a couple hours here and there if you want. I thought, well, let me try doing this, the wellness coaching for teens. That's like super in alignment with where I'm feeling right now. Let me try that. And then returning to school after 18 years and going back to the metaphysical sciences and studying and learning in real time, the things that I'm moving through in these holistic practices was the most eye-opening thing for me because here I was sitting here reading about the impact of reducing or eliminating acidic foods in your system and how acidity is literally the thing that creates mucoid buildup in your body and creates the disease. And it's like, this sounds simple. No one ever, no one ever just said it to me like that. And then I'm thinking, oh, that makes sense then that for the last two years, I've had this reduction of symptoms and I mm -hmm. felt better. And then the extra step of that in that same class, we discussed how acidic thoughts cause inflammation in your system and in everything, your perception and your, your awareness. And so I thought, well, that's all I've carried was very acidic thoughts about the uncertainties and anxieties of what this was. And so I got to a point in 2023 where I spent about six months intentionally. I wasn't watching TV. I wasn't watching anything that would like, would aggravate or start to increase my anxiety again, because that was a focus for me. I thought this needs to get brought under control. 
And this last year, I was able to do that. I was able to find healing modalities. I got certified in the EFT technique for tapping, emotional freedom technique, which is an incredibly valuable transformational practice that I've used. I started to learn about things like Qigong practices, with which mix like kind of a meditation, breath work aspects, stretching movement, um, just learning so much in my school studies that we are using in real time. And then that led me to just moving through different things we do, like intentional inner healing work and getting to the root of emotions. And I found that as I was releasing just each of these layers for myself and setting healthy boundaries, which I had never done in my life mm. and listening to my body and stopping when, when it felt like I was doing too much and I needed a rest. These were all very simple concepts that I never followed. I was very used to being on the move and on the go. And it wasn't something that I felt I had a choice not to do. Mm-hmm. And I gave myself permission. This last year was a big year of permission. Of, I know I have permission to stop and to pause. I have permission to do things that are healthy and healing for my body and for my wellness. And so, yeah, that's that's what brought me to this year now. And now in this space, it's like I realized that I didn't have, I had a great support system. But when you're looking outside of your family and friends, like in online spaces, there was nothing. I would go to so many MS spaces and it felt so negative to me. It either, oh. it's either a space where people were constantly talking about I have this thing that's horrible and they don't understand and they never will and nobody gets me and it feeds the victim mentality. Yeah. Or it's coming to the space and talking about how progressed they are and then the anxiety sets in immediately. It's just like, wait, I have what you have and you have that and and I've already had these steps you had along the way and it, and I would just assign so much of it and make it so personal and it didn't need to be. It wasn't, that's not my lived experience. I was mm-hmm. able to choose my own experience. And in doing so, though, I, I had followed about 20 accounts and I, I closed them all. I was like, I can't see this. This is something that's he's not serving me and feeling healthy or healed at all. And that's um, an example right there of a really good boundary. When you start having people or inputs that are coming into your life that are not bringing you up a level, to have the, the wherewithal to understand, recognize it, and then just say, okay, I'm going to shut you off. Um, that's, a better, that's a better thing to do for our health than to try to think I can do it all and I'm going to just endure it. The better thing is to, you know, stop up the the leaks in the boat and let the boat start floating in a healthy way. I love that analogy. Yeah. And such and what an act of self-love and self-care. Because in doing that, I also realized, oh, I haven't had much self-love or self-care for almost 40 in February. And I keep thinking like four decades, I keep going over four decades, four decades, four decades of not feeling well, four decades of not understanding what self-care looks like, like these are really important and they come through, like you said, when you make those choices, intentional choices and decide you, you take the reins and you decide kind of the outcome that you're going to aim for. And that's what this year has been. And so that actually led me now to the space where I'm in now, where I created this free Women's Weekly Wellness Wednesdays event on every Wednesday night from 7 to 8 p.m. Central, where I just wanted to create a space because I thought, there wasn't a space for me when I needed it. And there wasn't a space where I felt encouraged or supported. It just felt heavy. And so I want a place that feels comforting and light and where people can come and I can offer this. It's offering a lot of like mindset transformation techniques and ideas, little tips about different breath work you can use and about 
simple things like journaling and things that we can do for ourselves that often are not even taught to us as self-care. Self-care often sounds like I went and got myself an outfit and treated myself to a manicure. And self-care is just being mindful enough and aware enough in the moment to see what is your body telling you? What are the feelings you're having? And how do you address whatever need needs to be met right now? And a lot of times we're so conditioned to just skim over that. And a lot of times then when we're in illness and chronic illness, a lot of people are struggling with chronic illness. And in, most in the people, world. I would think it's most people. Right. And so there's just, there's very meaningful and valuable things that we can do that can just change the course and create a different outcome in reality because our minds honestly keep us trapped for so long sometimes in, in the reality that we're in rather than understanding what we have the power to move outside of that. To so. change it. We can change it. I love that you're taking ownership of that, that you're, you're not saying it's someone else's fault. You're actually saying, this was my fault. I had four decades of this and I'm going to choose differently moving forward. And now you have five or six decades to look forward to of good health with good energy and making an impact in the world, maybe changing somebody else's thought who's on that same path of MS with 18 pills a day, taking all kinds of different things that are bringing them into a downward spiral instead of lifting them up into a place of better health and thriving, living a life that's really impacting not only their immediate family, but they, they could reach over and help out a neighbor or a friend and bring them up as well. Absolutely. Oh, for that. And thank yeah. you for that perspective of the years ahead, right? This yes. Just, I'm just, you know, people, 40 used to feel scary and 40 to me feels amazing. And it's like, I'm just coming into the most beautiful part of my life. So I'm, I'm excited for all those, those years that you mentioned, all the years ahead. And, and yes, I, so, so grateful to find that there is a purpose in all of that. You know, sometimes it's just getting through the thing that we have, whatever our mountain is that helps us to get through and find, oh, okay, I understand now. This is yeah. <laughs> my purpose work. Exactly. Um, and I as love. you use your story, Becky, as you use this beautiful story to help others be encouraged and to make their own choice to switch out of that victim mentality to more of taking control. As you impact other lives, the purpose of your story just gets, that purpose gets put into the spotlight instead of the illness getting put in the spotlight. And now what was once intended for evil can be used for good for hundreds and hundreds of people. And there are people out there waiting to hear your story and it's going to make a difference in their lives. Thank you so much for that. You're a beautiful soul. I appreciate (laughs) words. I appreciate your encouragement and i mean i just yes i love you you are just radiant and oh and thank you thank you you're so sweet well tell us okay you are you are feeling good things are good at this point you're at a new balance level of good yes and i work at that every single day you know i'm doing intentional things every day and that is and that's the one thing i just want to leave your listeners with like find something you know that that feels good to you that is sewing into you every single day so that you can start to just pull in that pull in that joy, pull in that feeling of safety, that feeling of of fulfillment, because some of that is just enough to get you motivated to get moving in a different direction and consider a different outcome. Sure. Well, and that's a good point that you make because our healing journey is really never done. It's not like, oh, I do this diet for a month or three months or two years and then I'm done. No, healing is an every single day choice. And so- 
every day we're either moving more toward healing or more toward death. Um, which way are you going to go? And I know that we can't escape death in the end. We're all going to get there. But you can be either moving toward thriving or you can be moving toward dis-ease. And we want people to be living their best, most dignified, impactful life for however many days God gives us and not be just surviving like you said you were for so many years, just surviving. No, we want people thriving. But that is an everyday choice. It isn't something you just get to get, press the done button and and go back to poor eating and a bad lifestyle. Absolutely. I love that you shared that. And thank you for <laughs> and creating a space where you are you are encouraging people to thrive. This is such a beautiful space you're creating. And I appreciate you even bringing me into it. So, oh, it's so nice to have you. So do people, are, do you have a place where people can get in touch with you or a website or any resources that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yes. So at this point, dealing with your healing is, is kind of my tagline across all social media. So that is email, that is website, which is in the works right now. That is on Instagram, that is on Facebook. And then on Facebook is also, I have the group for the Women's Weekly Wellness Wednesdays that can be searched and joined as well. So fantastic. I'll make sure that I put those in the notes as well so people can find you. And all right, kind of in closing, maybe I'll ask just one or two more quick questions and we'll wrap things up and get you onto your day. But any surprises that hit you along the way that you weren't expecting or that you think people should know about? I think that the biggest surprise for me would be, and I know we've touched on this, but this is honestly the biggest, is how powerful that I am, how powerful that we all are. And you touched on this earlier, and it was, it was the thing you touched on was the thing that kept resonating with me since we talked last time, which is that we are so powerful. The words that we choose to speak to ourselves and the things that we believe about ourselves, we've spent so many years we don't question anymore. You know, the things that we say, the things we believe, we don't even question if they're real or not. It's just our truth that we live by. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that I could look at things that I had failed at before, whether that was, again, like I said, trying diets, like for my entire life, that never worked. My perception of that was I am not dedicated enough or I am not strong enough. I don't have enough willpower to do this thing. Hmm. So when we believe those things, it ultimately creates the outcomes in our reality. And so I, I still sit in very surreal space every time I reflect on, especially this last year, to realize that I am so powerful that I changed or reversed what was happening and I was able to move forward and have fulfilling time with my children. I was able to return to music in a way, I know we didn't get into that much, but like also on YouTube, I didn't mention that I have my dealing with your healing there where I have my musical mantras and my meditations that I started making music in a way I never even imagined doing in the past with the type of content or lyrics that I'm using was not really the style I ever did before but it flows very naturally and it's like okay this is this is something new I didn't expect so sometimes when we just start to uncover the authentic parts of us and we start to strip away all of the other things we start to return maybe not even return to ourselves, but find ourselves for the first time. That's how I feel. I don't feel like I'm returning to anything. I don't feel like I ever got to a place where I knew myself. And again, like you said, with healing, it's the same thing. Discovering who I am at the core, my authentic self is an everyday, everyday journey. 
and a beautiful one if you're willing to take that journey and do the work and and be dedicated to that. So yeah, just seeing how powerful I am and that, that's been the most most surprising for me. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, my goodness, there's so many, so many things here in this beautiful story. And I think all of us need to find those mantras that we want our family members to speak into us, that we are well, we are healed, we are fully well, we are fully healed. Even if we're not there yet, to just start believing the reality that's coming. And even and the second thing was just the whole, if I don't feel that I have energy or I have enough strength today to just start, slowly move toward that. And eventually the feelings and the energy will come eventually that the strength will grow as we start moving toward whatever it is we're trying to move toward, right? So, And the okay. idea that we have to believe it, you know, yeah. we can just say it and the belief will come in the saying and the seeing the transformation before our eyes. So. Exactly. I love that. Pre- reprogramming our own thinking. I love it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> right. Oh, well, Becky, such a privilege to have you on the program today. Thank you for taking the time and sharing with us, you know, what is kind of a vulnerable road that you've been on to kind of bring yourself through all these different changes and to share with the world some of that story. So thank you for sharing your story. And I just wish you all the best as you continue on this journey every day of making good mind and body choices for your healing. And so you can thrive into the next four, six, seven, eight decades, depending on however, who knows where medical science will bring us. But thank you for being with us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, there were so many great takeaways from this episode. I'll try to summarize a few of the key points here. Number one, as hard as it is, Stop being the victim. You contributed to your illness. You can affect your healing. So take back your power. You're right. Nobody understands what you're going through and no one can choose to fix it better than you can. So take responsibility for the ways that you've treated your body and start doing something in return for your body to make your healing start. Number two, don't give your illness the spotlight. Stop talking about it. Stop making it the center of your conversation. Start putting your life back into the spotlight. Number three, our amazing bodies give us external indicators of the internal issues that are going on. So if you're carrying a lot of extra weight, having skin breakouts, unexplained bruising, these are all indicators. And your body is saying, I've got problems. I need some attention. Please fix me. Number four, chronic illness begets chronic thoughts. When chronic illness begins, so do the damaging and anxiety-creating thoughts. And as hard as it may be, you need to take those thoughts captive. And even if you don't believe it, flip those thoughts around and say it the way you want it to be. So instead of, I'm sick and I feel horrible, tell yourself, I am healing and I am feeling better every day. Eventually, your body will catch up. Number five, create good boundaries. Stop watching TV, stop turning on the news, unfollow people or groups on social media who are creating anxiety or any negative responses in your body. If it's not bringing you joy, calm and peace, shut it off and take a break from it. Sometimes you just need a little space away from the negative inputs. Number six, you have permission to do the things that are healthy and healing. Choose well for your healing. What are the best gifts you can give your kids, your parents, your spouse, and other loved ones? 
is a healthy and thriving you. If you don't have motivation to make those choices, remember point number seven, action precedes the feeling. So don't wait for the energy to do something productive. Be productive and the energy will come. Take small, tiny steps of productivities. Get up, walk around the couch and then sit back down. Walk around the room, do dishes for five minutes, throw a load of laundry in the washing machine. Take those small steps to reclaim your life. The motivation will follow. Number eight, enlist your loved ones and those around you to pour truth into you, especially when you're unable to do that for yourself. Number nine, Consider your medications and be your own self-advocate. You may have been a great advocate for others in your lifetime. Now it's time to do that for yourself. So do the research, think for yourself, consider the medications that you are on, know the medications that you're on, and make a list of ones that you'd like to consider moving off of. Number 10, you are more powerful than you think you are. When you make intentional choices, you can decide to take the reins of your life back and decide exactly what path your life will take. Number 11, self-care is more than a day at the spa. Self-care means making small daily choices that contribute to a healed body, a healthy mind, and energized thinking. It could include singing, journaling, taking a walk, some time alone, time with a friend, painting a picture, reading your Bible, enjoying flowers, being by the water, simple things that we can do for ourselves that are often not really taught to us as self-care. And finally, number 12, healing and health and finding that authentic you, the one that is not sick, is an everyday journey. And it's a beautiful one if you're willing to take the journey and do the work. Be dedicated to a life that impacts you and your loved ones in ways you might never have even dreamed possible. You have the power to claim it. You have it. You have everything you need right now. So start today. Start small. Make tiny changes. They add up to a life well lived. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening today to the podcast. Please share this podcast with your friends and families who might find it valuable. And if you would, please write a review here where you're watching or listening to this episode. As a newly launched podcast, those reviews really help me and they help others find the information that will be helpful to them. Finally, stay tuned for more information about my next round of Fast, Pray, Heal, where we will learn about the ancient tool of fasting in its various forms, prepare our homes and our minds to take on that adventure, and then conduct a guided fast together as a community, supporting each other to find breakthroughs we never even realized were possible. What an adventure! For more information about my course, Fast, Pray, Heal, head on over to my website at lisaroars.com and you'll find all the information there and a place to sign up as well. Thanks again for listening today. God bless and make it a great week.